All Delulu besties, welcome! This is a safe space to vent, talk shit, reflect, and most importantly, keep it real. It's better to trauma dump here so that we don't explode on innocent randos. Just Just admit admit it, you're you're bothered. bothered. What's up, Delulu besties? Welcome back to another episode of Balancing the Bullshit. Hi. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. And on this Christmas theme, you guys, we are blessing y'all with literally God's greatest gift on earth. You guys are in for a treat. Yeah. So as you guys know, literally the only reason why Dini and I are not in a psych ward why we are enjoyable people to be around. Right, yeah. Why we're doing this podcast, honestly. Yeah, literally the only reason why we're somewhat sane, as sane as possible, mm-hmm. our saving grace, our life coach, Laura. She has decided to grace us with her presence. Yeah, so today is your lucky day. So, on this episode... Dr. Laura Latimer, health education and behavioral change professor at the University of Texas at Austin and a personal wellness advocate and consultant, as well as me and Karen's personal life coach, is joining us today. Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for being here. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into life coaching, why you're badass, (laughs) why we're obsessed with you. Why you can't get rid of us. (laughs) It's a, that's a good problem to have. Um, well, so I got into life coaching because I guess the easiest way to say it is plan A didn't really work out. And plan A was that I wanted to, I had spent six years in graduate school and I wanted to be an academic researcher. And mm-hmm. in order to be competitive for those types of jobs, you typically do what's called a postdoc fellowship. And so because I wanted to have that career track, I applied for and got a postdoc fellowship at Cornell. And I just thought, you know, I've got it made. It's mm-hmm. an Ivy League. And when I finish here, then I'm going to be set up for whatever job I want. Um, it's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm sure this sounds familiar to you. <laughs> My life. So I moved from Austin, 1,700 miles away, alone. Immediately, I was just... I felt kind of shell-shocked almost, like blindsided, where it was not at all what I thought it was going to be. And so I spent that next year trying to figure out what I was going to do. The postdoc situation itself was not great. And so for some people, they would have said, well, I'll just go do another postdoc, or I'll just start my career, or I'll just move into my faculty job early, or whatever. But for me, and I think it had a lot to do with the personal catastrophes that I'd experienced in the year just before that, I saw things, uh, the, the gravity of what my situation was, was just a lot heavier. So I kind of felt like this isn't just moving jobs. This is a career change. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm about to leave this thing that I thought I was going to do. And so anyway, I spent the year trying to figure out what that was going to look like. Was I going to maybe get another postdoc or another job? And kept getting to the point where it's closer and closer where I was going to have to renew my lease. And I was applying for jobs here and not getting any traction at all. And so I just was faced with this plan of either I resign and leave and have my job 
and basically mm-hmm. like take a step out and hope that there's a safety net that will catch me. Or I stay here, renew my lease, and just wait for somebody to give me a job and tell me that I can leave. And in that year of flailing around and taking a ton of walks and listening to podcasts and just like figuring out what the hell went wrong, like where did I go wrong that I ended up here and mm-hmm. basically had on paper everything I wanted, but was dying inside. As I'm trying to figure that out, I'm like, I think I could do coaching. And my whole mm-hmm. PhD was basically a PhD and health coaching. I mean, that's not how they pitch it, but you know, if you get a PhD in health behavior change, it's all about how to get people to change their behavior, to be healthy, to support their health and to stop doing behaviors that, that don't support their health. And like, that's a lot of what health coaching is. And so I just decided, well, I'll start my own business then when I come back, but I knew that wouldn't be lucrative immediately. Mm-hmm. So I tried to find other things to kind of supplement that, but I started my coaching practice in 2014 when I came back to Austin. So I always joke around. I was like, basically where you want to be when you're, you know, in your early thirties and you have a PhD and you're unemployed and moving back in with your parents. (laughs) (laughs) Me. (laughs) But it turned out to be a gift. Mm -hmm. I actually figured out what I wanted to do instead of just being like, well, I'll just check these boxes and I'll just get these degrees and then I'll feel like I'm good enough and I'll be happy. And clearly it wasn't working out. So I did start out with health coaching and it's interesting when I look back on it now because it's been whatever, almost 10 years and it felt a little clunky starting out. And I think that happens with anything where you're just like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to try this. But as I morphed into doing more of the life coaching, which actually didn't happen until 2018, maybe then I felt better inside and they're not totally dissimilar. I mean, you could go get a, a career coach or an executive coach, and they're going to talk about a lot of the same things that we talk about with life coaching. It's like mm-hmm. the coaching period is, has a lot of crossover. So it didn't feel like a huge leap, but it did feel a little bit more aligned with, I, I'm guessing it has to do with some of the things that y'all are feeling right now that led you to mm-hmm. start podcasts and yep. talk about some career changes is as you start doing this work on your own, you're like, well, I want to tell everybody about it and I want everybody to have this opportunity and other people to be able to make changes in their lives and whatever. And so I started focusing more on what I would consider to be kind of like general life concepts more than just um, specific health domains, which is even funny for me to say, because it's all connected, right? When right. Talk mm-hmm. about the dimensions of health and wellness. It's, it's not just physical. It's not just nutrition, physical activity. It's, it's all of the things so I think at the end of the day, it's more of a marketing thing than anything. Mm. <laughs> like I'm a life coach instead of a health coach, but a lot of the stuff that I talk about is very similar. Um, but I think it allows me to attract clients that mm. are more in alignment with where I am. And so mm-hmm. it's like a better fit. So sometimes I think it's just marketing. No, you're so right. And I mean, I could be a testament for that. Like when I wrote my book, Manifesting a Size Zero, it was all when I started working with you. It had nothing to do about getting my butt in the gym and nutrition. It was about fixing my insecurities and the way I saw myself, which is all the work I did with you. And you said you started life coaching in 2014 and by 2018 you were comfortable yeah. with it you were felt yeah, you're in a good I spot i felt better i felt and i took a break i had some some of my own health things that i needed to focus on from like 2016 to 2018 and you know so i took breaks here and there mm-hmm. and then i felt like in 2018 i was much 
more in a place where I just felt like it was clicking. So four years is what it takes. Karen, we have four years to go <laughs> until we're in a good place. We can do this. I'm going to count down. <laughs> Some four months. Like, yeah, it's different for everyone. Yeah, definitely different factors. But that's very inspiring. I think obviously... Yeah. That really resonates with me and Karen because we're going through the same thing you did yeah. back then. So for today's pick a card, we picked one that is very fitting for Laura. I'm curious to see what she's going to say. I'll read the quote first. It's never too late to be what you might have been. It's written by Anonymous. Can I just say that that, <laughs> this is crazy, that quote was the top of my homepage of my very first website. No, oh no way. Weird. Cool. I have this art that I do, and so I cut it from a magazine and like made this whole art thing, and I took a picture of it, and I use it in my website, and yeah, that was the universe How is listening literally on yeah. <laughs> that's crazy okay this question i thought it would be very fitting because you're already perfect so like what else do you even want at this point but the question is what do i want to become um, i mean it's hard question <laughs> it's very hard i don't have an answer for that because i don't know which I think is one thing that I've learned over time is that I am not the knower, right? I'm just here experiencing the world through a human body, like a human form. And so when I think about like, what do I want to become? I feel like that's not a question for me. That's a question for some, somebody else or something else. I just want to be as in alignment with that thing, whatever it is for people, the universe, or maybe it's God for some people or, nature or whatever i just want to be as in alignment with that as i can be so i don't think mm -hmm. there's one thing that i want to become except in alignment with that because i feel like that's where the answers are that's where the kind of like groove is you know that's where things feel good and there's synchronicities and it kind of builds and things build on each other but yeah i don't, I don't know there's not any one thing i'm not like i want to be an astronaut i want to be this or i want to be more this or that or whatever i just want to be in alignment with that damn yeah, i love that and no like i, I agree like with that just wrap it's... up the episode now <laughs> right, yeah let's get to end it now <laughs> thanks laura <laughs> now everyone understands why we're obsessed with you yeah. but no i love that it's your own interpretation of the question too it just goes to show like everything you and i are trying to preach about like when you're so content with who you are that's pretty much what she just said like she's not seeking for anything outside of her she doesn't need validation mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to put that within the context of, of trying to be a human in this world. First of all, I'm all about the abstract, but not without the concrete. I can't live too much in the abstract without having, like, I have to bring it back down to, like, okay, what does that mean on a mm -hmm. daily basis? So I have to figure out what does that look like? What does living in alignment with this nebulous thing look mm -hmm. like in practice on a daily basis? So. Figuring those things out, I feel like is important. And then also, I am a human being on this earth. So do I face times where I notice that I am knocked down because I'm, for example, seeking validation from somebody? What usually happens is that I'll notice a disruption in my mood, and then it's an opportunity to ask a question. Why? Mm -hmm. what, is, what is this? And then it seems to reveal, oh, perhaps you were seeking validation from mm -hmm. somebody, right? Because I'm a human, and we're, that's part of being a human. But it's figuring out how to relate with 
those things differently that's important rather than to banish them forever and seek this perfection of never being faced with that. No, I agree. Okay, the affirmation, if anybody wants to work on this to become the next Laura, <laughs> every day is a new opportunity to chase the version of me that I want to be. Basically what you just said. So, there you wow. go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so for today, our main theme is feeling rejected. And the categories that we're going to go over are values and self-esteem. So, we're just going to jump right into it with feeling rejected. I think, obviously, everyone struggles with rejection. Me and Karen struggled with it. And by seeing Laura, that really helped us uncover more behind it. But I was still surprised to read some of these facts from an article from Psychology Today. And I'll just list off some of these. So for rejection, rejection destabilizes our need to belong. Rejection creates surges of anger and aggression. Rejection sends us on a mission to destroy our self-esteem. Rejection temporarily lowers IQ. And rejection does not respond to reason. It was crazy going through this article because working with Laura, I know that we've worked on raising my self-esteem and some of my rejection wounds. And I mean, we've just worked on everything, but I didn't realize how rejection was the common theme, like the reason mm -hmm. behind everything. And it just reminded me of when I first came to you, I was like, help me make more money. I didn't realize at the time that I was actually asking for help with emotional recovery which all stems from being rejected so it just goes to show how severe and important this theme is yeah and it was the same for me i'm sure laura remembers by the first time i approached you is because i had been feeling rejection from some guy that i barely even knew and you helped me realize there was so much more behind that uh, but for me at the time it was just rejection was like reoccurring theme that I kept experiencing and so that's what led me to get your number and reach out and I just was trying to prevent myself from making the same mistakes you helped me realize there was all the self-esteem issues I had to work on it wasn't just dating stuff and related to men it was rejection in general yeah I'm glad that y'all said that because that's usually what happens right somebody comes to me for some problem and it's some surface level problem right mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have to start digging deeper down. And so that's the case for anybody. Like, that's available to anyone. When you notice that you're stuck on the surface, you can always kind of drill down and, and start to see where the real problems are. I remember when I first started doing my own kind of inner work was in 2010. And I... I came to a therapist feeling like, oh my God, I have like 85 problems. <laughs> Me? <laughs> like, yeah. that are wrong, right? <laughs> and when I finally started to get it, I realized, oh, I don't have 85 problems. I have 85 manifestations of one problem. Hmm. And that became much more doable to me. I was like, oh, one thing, and then I can watch these other things mm -hmm. change. As a result of this one thing. And so I feel like it helps if we can drill down and not just be stuck on the surface. Because the surface is overwhelming. And there's tons of variables and it's changing constantly and it involves other people. And it's just, it's too much. So what I notice a lot when we talk about rejection is that it gets really externalized. Where people are focused on that person rejected me. And then we get focused on that person. Who they are, what they want what they didn't like in me. 
And so it can be helpful if we depersonalize the rejection. I also think it can be helpful when we're thinking about rejection to think about things that are a bit more nuanced and difficult. As painful as it is to, to and we've been there, right? We've all been there to think about why did the other person reject me? That's really mm -hmm. painful, right? One way that can be even more painful sometimes because it starts to bring up things from the past that we've been doing, patterns, is to think about in what ways have I rejected myself by seeking mm -hmm. approval from an external source? That is more helpful because we are going to take ourselves with us in, you know, in every situation moving forward. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so from a practical standpoint, it's more helpful, but it's, it's painful sometimes. Because then we start thinking about, oh, shit, I've been doing that over and over again. I've kind of been rejecting myself and what, mm -hmm. you know, is really important to me. Noticing our tendencies to analyze the other person's behavior. Can you think of examples of, of what I mean by that? Like, because, again, we're talking kind of abstractly here. Mm -hmm. So when you're rejected by a person, let's just mm -hmm. say in a romantic relationship, and then you notice your tendency to analyze the other person, oh, yeah. their behaviors, their, their lack of behaviors, what they said, what they didn't say, what, right? Mm -hmm. So when we notice that we're doing that, it, it really can only take us so far. And you'll, you may see the, the spiral and how we can sit there. We can sit there for months. Oh, yeah. It becomes months. an obsession. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you can look at it with a little bit of compassion, it's really just our attempt to control the situation if i can nail this down and figure out why this person did what they did or didn't do what they didn't do then i can avoid being in this situation again right mm -hmm. like it's a protection thing to avoid the pain of the situation and so if we can just look at that with some compassion it can be helpful and also shift away from that as soon as you can shift away from thinking about you know the other person and, and why they rejected you. Mm -hmm. Also, have you ever noticed when you reflect on like a romantic partner, for example, somebody that you were just like all totally into, and then it ends, and you interpret that as a rejection? If you really sit and think about it, can you notice how there were things about them that you don't actually want in a partner anyway? Yes. yes. <laughs> but you're still you're still upset about it, and you're still focused on them. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's like if we can leave that and turn it back to us. What part of us needs some acceptance in this moment, which is basically saying, what did I really want in this situation? I've been put on the back burner, mm -hmm. trying to, I call it dancing around like a circus monkey, to be like, look at me, do you like this? What about this? Yeah. About this? Yes. Yeah. Trying to get them to, to like us. Also, when we focus too much, when we externalize too much, we end up taking way too much responsibility for another person's feelings, preferences, etc., which kind of touches a little bit on the childhood stuff mm -hmm. oftentimes like when we feel like we've been rejected in childhood which it doesn't always that might not always be apparent to us but that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of what it is when we go back because the child brain only knows a certain way to view things and so when something happens we just interpret that like oh it was me if I was different in some way if I'd done something differently then that wouldn't have happened so oftentimes things get interpreted as rejection of us as a person in childhood and then we take way too much responsibility for the it's usually an adult in our lives 
for their feelings and behaviors. And so noticing when we're taking on too much responsibility mm -hmm. for somebody else's thoughts and feelings and behaviors in situations where we've been rejected is another way to kind of connect the dots between these two things. So just some general thoughts. And then of course, you know, I'm always gonna go back to this kind of general like meditative approach. Noticing instead of trying to analyze, fix, change, whatever. Just noticing as much as we can. Mm -hmm. Basically a neutral kind of meditative approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just described what I went through to a T this year. You obviously know. <laughs> yeah. Um, which had just been a reoccurring pattern for me. And I never thought I'd be able to do what you just said, but I finally was able to do it with your help. It's hard. Yeah. It, it was the hardest thing I've ever hard, done. Right? Yeah. It may be hard again in the future, mm -hmm. but it's okay. I mean, it's, it's okay if it's hard, right? Because it's, it's for us. When we're doing it, it's for us to process and heal and have a better chance of, of finding what we want, like a true match in the future. And so it's worth it, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard. When you were talking, this just reminded me of, I mean, literally my entire life that you and I have broken down, but how you were saying when you went through your rock bottom, how you didn't have 85 different surface level problems that all just manifested in different ways. And I thought it was so fascinating once you helped me realize it wasn't even just relationship issues that I had. It was even like the reason why I went into sales, which is constant rejection. Like I just subconsciously thought okay, once I become the top sales rep or even the little day-to-day -day chases, like if I get a sale today, I didn't realize there was subconsciously my inner toddler being like, this will make up for the abandonment mm -hmm. wound from childhood. Well, I mean, probably be enough, except that I'm pretty sure you did have days where you had sales, right? Yeah, and it was never enough. <laughs> so when we notice the unfillable void, we can say, oh, interesting. I, I think the answer doesn't lie there, right? Like it's information it's it's just information for us. Yeah. Like, oh, we could maybe look somewhere else for this. Yeah. And it was so funny too how not logical or inner toddler works because it thought, okay, we put ourselves in all these situations where you're fearing rejection, but this time you're gonna overcome it, then it'll all be okay. But I just grew the rejection wound bigger than it was in childhood sure and oftentimes we're then seeking out i mean y'all y'all probably heard this i mean this is popular kind of like pop psychology but whether it's in a job or a romantic relationship you know you then find your or we can talk about it from an attachment theory perspective but you're you're basically finding yourself drawn to the situations that are going to probably play out exactly like they've been playing out and like they did in childhood or at least how you interpreted they did in childhood and then we're trying to we're trying to change the ending right we're trying to be like and now they did accept me and now yes so we oftentimes won't go to the person or the job that could actually provide that that could actually provide mm -hmm. true acceptance and validation and because that person or that company or whatever is healthy we don't go for that right we go for the broken down, busted up because yeah. that's when we'll really feel like, okay, now I really am accepted, right? Except mm -hmm. it, yeah. it doesn't ever work. Right. It's like a really sad cycle. It's a, yeah, it's a really bad cycle. And going back to what you were saying earlier, for example, so Karen was drawn to this sales job and I, you know, was drawn to my ex who 
were not right for us, but we were trying to be someone we weren't to get them to validate us. And once we did get there, we weren't being true to ourselves. Right. And you true, can tell yeah. like way deep down, but I wasn't able to recognize what that feeling was. If I kept going about that way, nothing was going to work out because I was abandoning myself. Yeah, and yeah. it was always hard because Laura would always be like, go back to your authentic self. Or like, and what does that mean? Yeah, literally. I was like, I've been pretending for so long, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, like, I don't even know who that person is. Yeah. That's, yep, that's totally legitimate and is the case for a lot of people that I talk to. But what's funnier is that I almost was scared to heal in a way because I was like, I'm not going to recognize myself. Yeah. And it's way simpler. Yep. I just got rid of all the bad parts of me. And now I just have all the great parts. So I'm still the same person, just yeah, not carrying feel, all these toxic wounds yeah, everywhere I, was, I go. I was scared too. Yeah. I had that feeling as well. <laughs> yeah, like who I am like, I going to be? Do that. Like, I don't, this is all I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I have to, what do you mean I have to start over? Yeah. <laughs> is totally normal. Everybody else feels like that too. It's a good mm -hmm. thing for other people to hear because it's... It's a universal yeah. for people who are going through this. So as far as world peace goes, I remember I used to always like when I did beauty pageants as a kid. Yes. And I never thought like it just was the right answer, quote unquote. Like I, I didn't understand how important it is. But yeah, I mean, ideally, if every human on this earth could be your client, that would be a pretty cool world to live in. <laughs> But, okay, so my psychiatrist, he says that the hardest thing with finding new clients and just helping treat mental health is people, from a psychiatrist standpoint, it's like dealing with the brain. Yeah. And so they're born with the brain that they have. So they don't know any other type of brain. They don't know that other people's brains function differently. So they never know to ask for help. And so for you, I feel like the only reason why I ever even thought, oh, maybe I need help was because my parents put me through therapy as a kid. Sure. So what about for our listeners that are like, oh, that's not me? Or how do people realize that they could benefit from help if they're not even ready to seek help from a professional? Is there anything that they could start doing at home, like DIY type of self-help? You know, it is quite possible that your previous background allowed you to say when you were feeling down again or when the time was right, you were like, well, maybe I could do this, right? Like you had that experience. But what about Daniel? Did you have a background in having ever gone to therapy or having been in that situation, like specifically mm -hmm. as a child, let's say, or like as a teenager? I actually did, yeah, okay, as so a child. Mm -hmm. This might be something, to your point, that kind of crimes people, right? Mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, maybe it's funny because I don't really consider myself an optimist. I kind of consider myself a realist. Really? Yeah, yeah. People might be a pessimist. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I find myself feeling pretty optimistic, and this is one of the areas where I do. I'm a big believer, <clears throat> excuse me, in when it's, the time, which from my standpoint might not even be in this lifetime for some people, but when it's the time, opportunities will present themselves. I think opportunities are presenting themselves all the time, but we just don't see them until it's our time to be ready for it. Like you, you will find what you need mm -hmm. when you are ready for it. Mm -hmm. I've actually yeah. seen that play out in my own life multiple times. So kind of trusting in that just one entry point to like a DIY way to do this 
is, and this is concrete, I think everybody could just stop and think about ways, this whole idea of ways that you've rejected yourself. Ways that you may have rejected yourself in trying to, I don't know, put the mask on that people think that you should wear. And this happens in big and small ways, right? So sometimes we get focused on the big ways. We talk mm-hmm. about career stuff and relationship stuff. But can you think of small ways that you've rejected yourself just on just mundane, daily level? Oh, yeah. Even right now that I my lease is about to end and I feel like this is like therapy for me right now <laughs> because as much work as I've done with you I'm still I'm catching myself where you know I'm like why don't I have it figured out yet like that's rejecting myself and to your point and sometimes I'll be like I know the answers are in front of me like what am I going to do where am I going to move to like how am I going to make money now like I've got to see it why can't I see it if the answers are in front of me but maybe you just remind me like maybe I'm just not ready to see it and that's okay. Maybe they're not presenting themselves right now. Maybe something else is presenting itself, like mm. rest and recuperation instead of, you know. Go, go, go. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. different things can pop up at different times. Yeah. But what about you? Do you have any ways that you feel like you've rejected yourself in small ways, like mundane, everyday? I think for me, the gratitude journal that I do, you put what you're grateful for in the morning and how you can make the day a good day and then at the end of the day you say three things that great things that happened that day and one thing that you'd have done better i feel like everything i write and that one thing i could have done better would be something like could have gotten up earlier got, gotten out of bed earlier could have spent less time on my phone or mm-hmm. less time watching tv so is that kind of yeah, what that. we're going on okay yeah i think mean, those are great examples i mean mm-hmm. there's tons of examples y'all you know it's like those are perfect and they're super mundane they're it's just like happening every day i love i know i've said to y'all multiple times like life gives us plenty of material it's here mm-hmm. we just have to use it it's available to us all the time you know think about like i i feel like this this comes up for me daily i notice the rejecting of myself happening a lot in social situations not that it happens super often but when I see how it could, it comes up in that scenario where it's like somebody asked me to do something and I don't really want to do it, but I say yes anyway. Mm. Or I want to do it, but I need to set boundaries around it and I don't. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Oh, whatever you want to do or whatever time or whatever, right? Like I can see a previous version of me that struggled with that a lot. And like, that sucks. I just mm-hmm. like rejected myself and my needs over and over again and now when I don't do that and I say what I need it's awesome right it's way better and I'm not rejecting myself and that's coming up constantly or being on our phones or yeah okay speaking of this is a perfect segue into our next category for values it kind of pissed me off when I was prepping for this because it all sounds great like what do you value? Integrity, honesty, whatever. But to actually uphold those things is so hard. It can be. It can be. But it definitely gets easier if you practice it. But, I mean, it, you know, whatever you practice is, is what mm-hmm. gets easier. So if we're not upholding those things over and over again, then it's going to be easier to not uphold those things, right? If you do uphold yeah. those things, then that will be easier. I also think when just setting the stage, this is this touches on both. My mom actually said this to me fairly recently, like within the past couple of years. 
She's like, you know, I was just thinking today. It's actually kind of lazy, which I don't I don't use that term a lot because I feel like it's lazy to use the term lazy. <laughs> but I think it's fitting or maybe we could ponder and come up with a, a different word, but to not take the time to get to know ourselves, so when we think about values, for example, and then to, to live in alignment with those values, is actually kind of lazy to just take on what somebody else tells us we should or mm-hmm. what worked for them. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll just do that. It's like, well, do better. Don't mm-hmm. you want to work for yourself? If you want to really put in some effort somewhere, how about the effort there? Instead of like, I'm going to go out here and do this thing and this thing and this. That's fine, but make sure you've you know, clean, cleaned up your side of the street, so to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is First. so true. The reason why it was making me mad is because it made me think of my career. Like, one thing I really value is accountability. Yes. And it's easy for any sales job to offer me the job and be like, okay, here's how much you're going to get paid, but only half of that is going to be your base pay. The rest is commission. So it's not really guaranteed. But then like, but it's easy to make the commission. You just do what we tell you to do and then you'll hit quota. And then the months that I do what I'm being told and I don't hit quota, I still have bills to pay, but the company isn't holding themselves accountable to what they had promised. I mean, now looking back, it actually was easier to walk away. But like at the time, it was easy for me to justify letting go of my values because, well, I have to have a nine to five. This is what everybody does in society. And if everybody else is allowing this, then I don't know. Am I being crazy for valuing accountability? Or like, how do I hold my boss and this company accountable when I'm like an entry level? employee like there's so many easy ways to talk myself out of it sure. but to your point I mean it took me a lot of times I went and found so many different jobs and kept running into the same situation over and over again where I'd be pissed when they're not paying me out commission when I'm doing what I'm told and it was a lot easier to instead focus on my values and doing the internal work and rather than hopping from job to job thinking that the external situation was going to fix it right yeah, I mean, it sounds like you weren't wearing your values to begin with, and so you chose a job that yep. was, I mean, it wasn't a lot of values mm-hmm. because you're like, I don't even know. Or maybe at the time, perhaps you learned some things. So perhaps your yeah. values changed. Yes. Or you just like, mm-hmm. you became more clear on them because, you know, I think sometimes the, the values thing is a bit of a developmental issue, and it's in a lot of cases, a developmental delay because. We're focused on these things that we're told we should be focused on. I call it the box checking phase yes. of life, right? And that doesn't really lend to figuring out our own stuff. And so then we wake up and we're like in our 30s and we're like, I don't even know, or late 20s or wherever people yeah. figure it out. It usually tends to happen there for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then they're kind of like, wait a minute. What what happened? Yeah. Like, I don't, How did I get here? Yeah. Really, you could be doing those things earlier. Like, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to go through that process to get there. But that's true. I was wondering that too. Because I was getting mad at like, well, it's so hard to get yourself out of the situation where you have to uphold your values. But maybe if I had had values to begin with and stay true to them, I wouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. Potentially. Right. So for people who 
don't have their own values and have kind of just gotten their values from what their parents said or what they thought was right. And maybe they're just now realizing, oh, this isn't really what I value. What kind of advice would you give those sorts of people to discover what their actual values are? Like, where would you start, I guess? Part of it, too, is we're talking about, like, career stuff, that's a big deal. And, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be, but we feel like it's a big deal, right? Like, i got to make this career choice. Think about, again, if, I think it would be really helpful when we come back down and think about the little ways that we maybe leave ourselves and, like, don't. It's hard when you don't have your values. But when you leave yourself in little ways, the example that came up in my mind was I just left a bet for my dog because I was like, they, we are not holding the same values. It became mm. apparent to me over and over again. They lack transparency. They are not consistent. There's some issues with responsibility. I'm like, uh-uh, this is not a good yeah. match, right? So just thinking mm. about like, you're just your day to day and it, it's hard. I would love to do that with like my cell phone company. I feel like we <laughs> we're not compatible. <laughs> standpoint but you know whatever like sometimes I'm just like Ugh, it's too hard and move on to something else but there are plenty of opportunities to do this where it's not so like earth shattering so like yeah. career change right so I just wanted to point out that part and it, it does segue into into your question which is like how do we figure this out well some of it is figure out what is bugging you right yeah. in that situation and instead of feeling like oh it must be something wrong with me Flip it around and say, maybe nothing is wrong with me. And this, like, it's kind of a radical thought to ask yourself sometimes. What if nothing was wrong with me? Yeah, I'd never do that. Wild concept. Nothing is wrong with that company either. And maybe that that is perfectly fine for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Because sometimes we can get into that rut where we're like, okay, well, I'm fine. Like, I don't know what's wrong with y'all, but like, you need to fix your business. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, Noticing when our pendulum swings and extremes, but you, you can be fine and you can hold your values and they can be fine. And that other person can, and it might not be good for each other. And this is a really good relationship thing to notice because I talk to sometimes people sometimes who get really stuck in this, like, well, they're a really nice person or they do these really great things. And it's like, well, that's great, but it might not be for you. Right. Yeah. For you right here at this moment now, whatever. So I know one of the things that we talked about when mm-hmm. thinking about coming up with our values, I do think the quadrant exercise yes. thing is pretty helpful. So if, if we have one square, you make your little boxes. One square is what I think I like. One is what I know I like. The other is what I think I dislike. And the other is what I know I dislike. And mm-hmm. you could, I guess you could do different quadrants for, I mean, when I did it, I think I was mostly focused when I first, I have no idea where I came across that for the first time, but I did it in 2013 when I was in the depths of despair in upstate New York. And for me, it was mostly focused on career. I was doing it with career, but you could do it. I suppose you could have different quadrants for different mm-hmm. domains, right? You could do one for relationships. You could do one for your cell phone company. You could do one for your you're where you work, you, right? Like mm-hmm. you could do different quadrants for that. It might be easier than lumping it all into one, but I think that can be, and it's practical, right? That's like a really practical exercise to do. I think you also have to dig deeper than the surface. So put everything on there. Don't filter yourself, put everything in the quadrants 
there's no right answer. So if you're like, do I really just like this or do I just think it? Just put it in the thing. It doesn't matter, right? It's less important where the things end up and more important that they get out of you. So when you notice that you're like, I like money. I know I like to make money. Okay, fine. Put it on there. But mm-hmm. don't stay on the surface with these things. Dig down and say, well, why do I like money? What does money represent for me? Mm-hmm. Those things need to be on the list, right? Somewhere in those quadrants. Yeah. So making sure we dig down underneath too. Mm-hmm. I also, do y'all do like show notes? Do y'all What's that? What are show notes? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Tell us about that. Okay, like at the, I don't know, I don't know how you do it, but you can like link to things that you might mention in an episode, or you. Can oh, like, show oh, notes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were meant outside of podcasting <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I journal. Is that show notes? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you never gave me this exercise. <laughs> yeah, so we do do show notes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> add files to those, but I have a value. <gasps> yeah, Ooh, that would be yeah, that would be great. Delulu besties would love that. And I think it has like ninety different because sometimes when you're like, what the hell? What even are values? Yeah, like what is even mm-hmm. a value? I don't even know. Like, is being on time a value? Like, I mean, and there's <laughs> yeah. no there's no right or wrong answer, but it can help sometimes. There's like ninety things listed, and then some blanks for you to add your own, and then there's some questions that I ask you. I think also it's important to note. You don't need 55 values, right? Like, you don't need 90 values that are on the sheet. What we really need is, like, three to five tops that you can recall quickly, right, that are that are just always there in the forefront because then it becomes practical. You can use it to make decisions in your day-to-day basis, you know, on a day-to-day basis, just, like, when you're going about your business, you, it serves as an anchor for you to come back and say, like, okay, does this job that I'm considering or does this opportunity that I'm considering have at least a couple, if not all, of these values, right? It, mm. it serves as an anchor. And, again, I have to have – I am a very practical person, almost to an extreme sometimes where I'll be like, suck the joy and the luxury out of some things. I'm like, oh, that's not practical. So <laughs> – I really need like practical things to come back to. And that's one reason why I like the, the values list. Ah, I love that. I have a question. Does values, does it have to be kind of like a quality or could it be something like I value animals or nature or something like that? Or does it need to be more kind of specific, like authenticity, you know? I think all of it goes on our master list. Put it all on there when you're doing your quadrant exercise or a values worksheet or something. Just let it all be there and don't feel the need to filter yourself. Mm -hmm. And then play around with it and notice what are the most practical uh, values because you need it as a tool to be able to make decisions, right? So like what keeps emerging as, as the most practical things? Also, don't forget about the ones that maybe don't make it into the top five. Because Mm -hmm. does every situation you come upon touch into the fact that you value animals or nature or whatever? Well, maybe not, but some of them are going to. And you want Mm -hmm. to make sure that that has a voice in there. All of these are just you. It's just you on paper. Notice, so when we try to bridge the gap a little bit between like feeling rejected and y'all also already brought this up, which is like, I don't even know who I am. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a really big piece of information when you're, and I, I have many clients like that. They don't even know how to make a decision except what somebody else wants or thinks they should do. Right. Mm-hmm. They're so out of touch. That's People me. are 20 years older than y'all mm-hmm. and they are clueless. Right. And yeah. so you want to explore all of it because there's value in that process. And then you may notice that some of them kind of rise to the top because they're just easier to use practically. Mm-hmm. I feel like some people listening to this could easily write it off like, oh, well, obviously I have values. Obviously, if someone's being dishonest, I would walk away. But there's something so magical about writing it, like sitting down to really think it through and writing it on a piece of paper. Because when you made me do it, it was eye-opening. Like, obviously, I knew I was miserable. Otherwise, I wouldn't have hired you. But sitting down to write it down and realizing everything in the box that I, I don't like, I was like, wait, this is my entire life. But had you asked mm-hmm. me without having to sit down, I would have easily been like, oh, obviously, I know my values. Obviously, I, everything I like, I do. And I don't like what I don't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great point. I mean, I see that a lot, right? Where people did, they just skip over that point. Yeah. Yet they're still lost and unhappy and they're just like, I don't know why. (laughs) It does Mm -hmm. take some persistence, like a persistent effort, I feel like. I don't think this is something that you do once and you're like, okay, cool, did that. Like, we're checking in, we're noticing nuance, we're like looking to see, okay, I said that was my value, am I doing things that represent that value? Yeah. If I'm not, is is it because I need to make different decisions or is it because that's not really my value, right? Like we're checking mm-hmm. in. We're also digging deeper and looking at the nuance and layers. I think I gave you this example recently where I was talking about someone I had talked to who said that they really valued freedom. And so they're talking about that within the context of their work. And they, are, they have a, a job where they're an entrepreneur and they do have a lot of freedom, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, also they want to have children. Mm. For mm. me, children do not equal freedom. That's yeah, like no. the antithesis of freedom, mm-hmm. right? But for them, maybe they only care about freedom in their professional context. Maybe freedom does look some way in their personal context with children, but it just means something different to them. They figure out other ways to have freedom, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it's all about how you personally define the values and maybe they look different in different domains. They might change over time. Had a client who we went through this process and she was talking about, you know, I've always felt like I was adventurous. Being adventurous was one of my values. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to let go of that right now because I'm not traveling as much. So I feel like I'm not really being adventurous. And I was like, yeah, except that you are, doing a total deep dive on yourself. So you're Mm -hmm. not adventuring to new countries or whatever, but you are adventuring internally to figure out who am I, what do I really want, right? So you also have to figure out how are you defining these things? Mm -hmm. Are you potentially holding yourself back because you have this really narrow view of what a value means? I know I was just a few months ago where I was stuck in my job, like quote unquote, and I was like, I'm trapped and I want freedom. And you're like, okay, well, 
find freedom, create it for yourself. And I was like, well, okay, get me out of this job. <laughs> like that's the That'll only fix way. Everything. Yeah. yeah. And then how funny that when you're like, okay, sit down and write out in your gratitude list. What do you find freedom in? And I was like, okay, my dog going on walks with him, exactly. yoga, meditating, journaling. And now that I am out of that job, I bet you I would be miserable still seeking freedom had I not found it in all these other things. And now I do feel like my whole life, like I am free, but yeah, I wouldn't have been, had you not make me just literally mm -hmm. sit down and write it down on a piece of paper and focus yeah, on it. That's another good point. We're talking about like what people do. Part of what you need to do is I like to work from a strengths based perspective. We can get so down on ourselves and be like, I am, I'm totally broken. Like, I don't know what my values are. I hate my job. Like, I'm in a shitty relationship. And the, the little spark is there, or I like to refer to it as the volume button, right? Like the volume of our inner self, the volume dial. Is that really old school? <laughs> What's that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I still like it. I, I like it. <laughs> it's just got the volume's gotten turned down, right? The mm -hmm. dial's gotten turned down, but it's there. So again, sometimes the values thing and the writing the list can become this externally focused thing. But the way that you are describing how we talked about you approaching it is like, no, just turn the volume up on what already exists. So figuring mm -hmm. out ways that you are already living in alignment with your values, or already you know having the things that you want or whatever is a necessary part of the process. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's not, we're just, we are working from a place of, of deficit. Yeah. Which does not work. Yeah. 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 I think this is very important for everyone to do to go back and find their values. I know for me, I had to do it recently because I realized, and I'm sure you've seen this before too. I realized my values were not even my values. I was just clinging on to values from other people because, and this just ties back to rejection. I didn't want to be rejected by them. So I'd be like, okay, you value that. I value that. That sounds good. Like I value that too. And then now I've kind of looked back on things I thought I valued. And I was like, wait, I actually don't. I actually feel the opposite about some of those things. Like that would happen a lot in relationships. You know, I would say, Oh, this person's so amazing and so great. They value this thing. Like that means I should value this thing. Yeah. So I just had to had a kind of had to start over with my values list again we don't need to get down on ourselves about it right like that's okay i have a, somebody i was talking to the other day and they were like we were doing it together talking about some of this and they said well you know i think before i would have said that i valued family but realizing that that was basically something that was they were kind of indoctrinated in which is just like mm -hmm. we're family family blood blood over water or whatever the same i don't know i don't buy all that stuff like, i hate that yeah, yeah i actually hate and that it's like a really toxic family and so now that person is rethinking well do i is family one of my values and if it is it certainly looks different than than what was imposed on me mm -hmm. like I, I get to redefine what that looks like. Yeah. yeah. I have a question about values. So as I've been discovering my own values, it's very fulfilling, but I'm finding it difficult to connect with people and make friends and even keep existing friends. It's like not lonely, but it, it can be a little isolating at times it feels like. So I am wondering, how does that work for you? Do you experience the same thing? For me, it's impacted my dating life big time because before I would just date whoever you know, if they checked these superficial boxes, but now that I actually care about the values, it's, 
it's made it a lot better. But yeah, I'm just kind of curious how, what your experience has been since you've been so secure with your values. It doesn't make it easier in some ways. Mm -hmm. I think it does kind of shift what we're focused on, right? So in a world where we're really focused on like, how many likes did you get and how many followers you have or whatever, mm -hmm. it does force us to shift to the, the kind of quality over quantity, right? It might not be very many. I just had this discussion with a, with a close friend the other day where they're feeling really like everybody around me is so deficient. Like, what the hell? People who aren't, mm -hmm. there are people who aren't right. And so then yeah. it's just, she's like, well, so-and-so. <clears throat> and then she was like, and you, <laughs> and then she said, and that's my list. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, all you need. Sometimes that's, that's, it for the moment yeah. right and then you might notice your perspective is different on a different day things are constantly changing but yeah i would say that your pool and so when we talk about dating specifically the pool or friendships <laughs> of people to choose from gets smaller there's just no rosiness about that except that first of all things change constantly right so just because it's like that right now doesn't mm -hmm. mean always be like that of course okay? Mm -hmm. notice that you have more and more people. And I, I had a whole group of friends here and all we did was drink and. Yeah, us too. I did a lot of that in, in graduate school. When I think about my time in Austin specifically, like a lot of that was in graduate school. Then I go away to Cornell and I have like basically complete existential crisis and really changed myself a lot. And so when I came back, I moved into the same neighborhood that I'd been living in. And I was like, well, I could just call those people are still here. Right? Like, we could just fall right back in. Boop. And just, mm -hmm. I would have friends. I would have these things to do. And I didn't. And I spent a lot of time alone. A lot. Mm -hmm. But my mentality was different than it might have been in the past. My mentality was, this is okay. It's okay for me to be alone. There's nothing wrong with me. This is my choice. I know it's because I'm building something better and stronger and more me. I know this is in alignment with other goals that I have. Right. So a lot of it is your perspective and it will change mm -hmm. a whole new group of friends. And then some of them have changed since then in the past 10 years. Right. Things are constantly changing. I think it's a roomy quote. What you seek is seeking you. And I feel like that's mm -hmm. kind of comforting sometimes. Right. When we're yeah. ourselves and we're like, I'm doing all this work, but what the hell? It's like alone by my, you know, doing <laughs> yeah. and it's like, okay, trust that, if you're looking for that, well, other people who are like that are looking for you. They're looking for yeah. people like you. And your job is just to keep doing what you're doing and to like yourself. And it feels good to spend that time with yourself and not be out there forcing relationships with people. So, yeah, right now I'm enjoying it. But, I, yeah, I have noticed it's gotten... I won't, don't, won't say lonely because I'm not sad about it, but more isolating. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But also, sometimes we need to recall, and for me, this does have a lot to do with alcohol, the times where you, like, came home from the bar and you were, like, sad, or mm -hmm. the next day when you felt sad. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, for me, it was, like, yeah. a little shame spiral about how I basically, like, done a whole bunch of stuff that I either, A, couldn't remember, or B, didn't want to do. And then, like, I'm feeling bad about that. Mm -hmm. That feels lonely. That feels yeah. terrible, right? So, you know. Yeah. Okay, pretty much to reiterate what we just talked about for values, we found a really cool article on BetterUp of how important values are. 
So they shape you into your authentic self. They give you a sense of purpose and meaning. They drive your personality and how you lead your life, give you a better understanding of who you are. They help you work towards your dreams instead of against them. When you make decisions aligned with your personal values, you feel like your truest self. When you know how to articulate your values, you can set clear boundaries, establish healthy bonds, and develop relationships that honor your self-respect. A social network that shares your values can make relationships more meaningful, supportive, and full of authenticity. Prioritizing your values can help you communicate what you need in the workplace with loved ones and with friends. Sharing these important feelings can improve your overall well-being since repressing your emotions can have harmful health effects. And psychologists believe that connecting to personal values can act as strong motivation to recover mental wellness. I love it. Go find your values, everyone. All right. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with us, Delulu Besties. We'll see y'all next week. Bye.